0: Spags, we are down to just, dare I say, one more football game. Can you pick holes in that cold open?
1: I have to say, Pete, I did review also my camera's crooked. Jesus Christ, I'm running around like crazy today, but it is time to talk about the conference championship games. We are going to dig into everything that went down on Sunday, including that big Bengals upset. We're also going to welcome some people to the family, and maybe even excommunicate one guy from the family, finally. And we are also going to talk about the coaching carousel and look ahead to some of the early Super Bowl bets that might be worth taking right now. So, Pete, hit that intro. Intro <music> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play of the Fantasy Football Podcast for every game under the sun, where my studio is being changed as we're sitting here. And I am Chris Spags, joined by your friend and mine, Pete at Pete, how'd you make out this conference championship weekend? Um, not too bad. I actually
0: did pretty well on sports bets. Um, was tailing, you know, a lot of people's bets, ETRs, Mike Clay had a prop card, uh, my friends over at Bet the Prop. And think I went like 75 or 80%. So, uh, did pretty well there. DFS, uh, was a wash. Um, I was tilting because, uh, for showdown, I, uh, realized that in the Sims, uh, Justin had forgotten to remove Bryce Hopkins, uh, from them because he was ruled out. And I noticed that he was in like five of my lineups. So I ping him and he pushed an update through. And so I was just kind of manually going and just going to change those and not, um, you know, rerun everything. And so I was putting in Ben Skaronik or whatever, just because he was the only other cheap Rams guy on there. And then watching him have that drop touchdown, which at his ownership level, and in some of those lineups would have been a pretty big swing. That was probably my biggest tilt of the day yesterday.
1: Him flailing wildly. (laughs) (laughs) One bomb was not the best look for poor Ben.
0: Yeah, no, it, it was not. But uh, yeah, no, DFS was it's I mean, it's just getting hard now on these two game slates to find real, you know, contrarian angles. And I was looking at the uh, the Super Bowl showdown contest, the big $3.20 max I normally play, I think is close to 400,000 <laughs> entries, which means like, if you could get out of there with not
1: being duped by like less than 10, P- 10 other people, you're probably in good shape at that size. Yeah, that was one where I ended up with so much Cam makers yesterday. And I was basically, I was actually watching the games with uh, with my partner. I'm not going to say girlfriend because we're not married yet. And I, I feel like an asshole saying girlfriend because we're, we're raising a human, Pete, in a, just about 40 days. And I was like talking about it. And I'm like basically justifying my Cam Akers exposure to her. She, she doesn't know or care. And I'm like, yeah, last week he fumbled twice, but this week he's probably got to get back out there, got to be in the mix. And it's like, that's the kind of things you end up doing on these slates where our low ball lineups, I think we both scored over 120 on low ball too. <laughs> I know I was looking at that. Yeah, I, I think you beat me, right? Oh, yeah, I did. I barely beat you scoring slightly less. I think you had 135. I had 120. Though I did have Darrell Williams in my lineup, but I don't know if technically he counted because I'm not sure if he actually played a snap. Yeah, which again, we were talking about how um
0: how tough the this slate was. Like I had a lineup in the spy. I finished, I cashed, I, I doubled up. Uh I had 139.38 points. And in our low ball, I had 138.7. So like we were not joking about how hard it was to build to use the cap and build a bad
1: team on a on a two game. That that was a learning experience for us as far as low ball goes. also a learning experience on Friday's show with Justin Freeman over at Run the Sims. Uh, Really breaking down, I think, a lot of insightful showdown strategies. So if you missed on on Friday's show, definitely check it out. It is one we normally don't do a ton of evergreen stuff here because, you know, like everybody else out there, we're covering the games that are happening as they're happening. But um, with that particular one, Justin was definitely giving us a lot of insight and game theory that it's going to be helpful, whether it be for the Pro Bowl, which we will also be covering this week, and also the Super Bowl coming up, the showdowns. And uh, Pete and I talked, and I think Pete, we need to be completely candid about this one. You and I both historically do not bet very much in the Pro Bowl, I believe. I bet once on high school on the Pro Bowl with a guy. I'm um, just, you know, just I don't know even know why that happened and why I remember it. Besides that, I just tend to stay away from it, but we're it's a game. It's a game that's happening next week. So we actually have to cover it on the show legally. Uh yeah, no, I'm happy
0: to do it. Uh my my friend and colleague Pete Manzanelli uh once went very hard uh covering the smoke of Pro Bowl. Um but yeah it's uh I, I've had a few years where I've played DFS for it, I assume. Uh Draftkings will have contests.
1: so I, you know, I'm down to get in the Pro Bowl streets. Yeah, so Friday, that'll be coming up there. Thursday, we're going to do our 2022 best ball intro on this show. Pete's already been hitting those streets a little bit on ship chasing with Pat Crane and Gretch as well. So make sure you're checking out that as well, that it's all going on here. The games continue because this is the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And also make sure you are going to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. You get packages on there for 99 cents a week to get better data into your life. Our our draft coverage is actually starting. Our guys headed down to Mobile this week to give you some premium takes from our, our writer, Mike Tanier, who also does some stuff for the New York Times going to be a lot of things going on at football outsiders as we finally i get to exert my will on them and change things and build in my image and have them cover things that i want to see which is premium access to rookies pete that's going to be it's going to be important and valuable for us i think with basketball to actually have we're dispatching very smart football people to do the work so you and i can gamble
0: Uh, you saying in my image is like the most creepy
1: pseudo god statement i've ever heard in my mold, in my
2: physical.
1: <laughs> uh, but no, it'll be fun there, and I'm excited to see what they turn out there. And again, just more, more avenues to talk about football is really what this show and everything that we're trying to do is all about. And also make sure you are subscribed to Peach channel. Also go subscribe to the Splash Plate channel. It does help us out a bunch. Hit the like button on this video if you are watching on YouTube. And check out the podcast feeds as well if you're just listening to these shows on the go. Uh, the shows are going to continue on in the offseason. We're going to find new ways to have fun doing this. Probably going to do some silly things as well maybe review some football movies in the off season. Um, we actually, I guess Pete, we do have to tee up our, our off season content draft, which um, I maybe meth show will make the list again. Maybe it can't. Yeah. Do you think
0: you uh, are going to, I know last time it technically wasn't a competition, but you were pretty much embarrassed in our pizza eating contest. Uh, do you think you, you can
1: uh, keep up with me this time? I think it's possible. I mean, who knows? Maybe we don't do that one this year. I I am dieting. I have to say, I have already almost hit my prop line that we talked about in the season. I'm down 17 pounds right now after about four weeks, three weeks here. Four. Wow. That's impressive. About four pounds a week. Um, yeah, do, do Nutrition Solutions, if anybody's heard of that one, which is uh, – uh, it's me and a lot of WWE guys who have, have used that, or um they're getting influencer money. I am not. But, yeah, I've been eating clean macros, having cheat days on Sundays, and it's now to the point where, like, the cheat days on Sundays, I feel absolutely repulsive and don't want to eat anything yeah. bad for the rest of the week. I'm – uh I, I'm –
0: doing because i had my trip with my buddies divisional weekend where i just ate and drank whatever and now i've been dialed in because i'm going out to la for the super bowl so i was like i'm just going to be completely clean between now and then so let this past weekend like between the combination of the snow day and having football on like not drinking and eating like
1: shit uh was very hard for me but have i told you about my hack i'm getting into non-alcoholic beers no, I, I did not. actually, that's funny because I've talked about that with, with Alex because of her doing some Heineken zeros and, and being like, it basically tastes the same. and there's no point to drink a 4% if like the non-alcoholics give you the same feel. Exactly. Yeah. So there's this company and it's, I
0: don't know if it's one of those crazy big brother things because I have now started to receive ads for them ever since I started drinking them, but the athletic brewing company. Um, and I've just been trying their golden ale one. Apparently they have a bunch of IPA ones, but I, I don't need to drink non-alcoholic IPAs. Apparently they have like a, a Mexican beer version as well that I'm excited to try. Uh, but yeah, it like, it feels like, you know, when someone who's trying to go through, you know, quitting cigarettes, you know, just has something in their mouth or whatever. Like, that's how I feel like popping it open, tasting. I'm like, it basically gets it out of my system. I have one or two of them. Uh, and so that's how I'm, I'm weaning off of uh, alcohol here when I'm trying to stay in tip top shape.
1: So I've still been eating healthily and then having three IPAs at night because I have no weed <laughs> right now. Unfortunately, I have not been able to link up with our friends. <laughs> I know. It's wow. Been... So your weed guy's really letting you down. Wait, well, the good news is it's like a force tolerance break, and we were supposed to link up this weekend, but then the snow ruined that. Where I was, we were having family up; they couldn't come up, so it kind of their trickle down was not great. Uh, <laughs> lost seventy pounds. No, I'm down to uh, one twenty-seven right now. So I was at I, I was at a high of two or two forty-five rather. So I'm at two twenty-seven right now, or at one twenty-seven. I think I would look like Christian Bale in the Machinist. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I just uh, I have two trips coming up. And so I was just like, I need to I need to build some good habits. I've been doing a few other things. I've been leaving my phone at my computer uh, when I'm done for the day uh, at night now, too. So not, you know, staying up fiddling on my phone as much. So now that the season is winding down, uh, I'm glad that we're in this together, you know, building strong, you know, positive habits bags.
1: That's what the show is all about. It's about self-improvement. That's actually where we're going to transition to when we just get tired of football will be the self-improvement podcast for every game under the sun. (laughs) There it is. I mean, trust me, uh,
0: many other podcasts have gone that route. I'm not really interested, uh, in influencing self-improvement, but I I do enjoy talking about it, uh, with other people who are trying to go through the same things. I did a, I did a prop bet last year with Davis and that was, uh, that was very helpful. I've, I've tried to add that back into my routine too. the meditation. I'm like, Every other day on that, I still forget to
1: do that. Yeah, look, and hang out with us all offseason. We're going to talk more about the stuff. We're going to get to the football nitty-gritty now, but this is just what the show is, guys. So if you're new around here, we appreciate you tuning in. I'm seeing some names in chat that are not frequent participants, including Ryan, some of the other guys. So if you are just a regular who's watching quietly, feel free to chime in. And if you are a person who just doesn't have time to watch all the episodes, come hang out when you can, because we are going to keep running this one as best we can. Let's talk our conference championship recap, though, and, of course, the big one, the Bengals upsetting the Chiefs as a seven-point dog. Uh, In Kansas City, everyone wrote them off. They were down 21-10 at half time. I did get a little bit of a luck box touchdown from Samaj P. Ryan. He ends up with that 41-yard touchdown catch. Not much else there. Joe Burrow, 260 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick, and also runs five times for a very crucial 25 yards. A stark contrast to what Patrick Mahomes is doing at the end of the game. Joe Mixon, 21 carries for 88 yards, plus three catches for 27 yards. And then T. Higgins was the big receiving guy, even though Jamar Chase had some crucial ones, including a touchdown. Six catches for 103 yards and 10 targets for him. Pete, a really nice win. Joe Burrow going to be a big story here I feel like Joe Burrow and Cooper Cup, the two guys are going to hear a lot about media-wise that we've probably heard a little bit less about over the last few years, even though Joe Burrow, former number one pick, former college champion, uh, certainly a known quantity, even though some people are acting like he's coming out of nowhere. But what do you think of the Bengals here? I feel like we've talked about them a lot. Zach Taylor giving out game balls in Cincinnati bars I thought was a really nice move a couple of weeks ago. And they are a fun team, and, and people just shit on them all throughout that game. And for them to come through, I think we are all Cincinnati fans on some level.
0: Yeah, I was glad that all of my, you know, the 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 Bengals are absolutely uh, uh, dead in the first half. Comments were just out said out loud and not uh, put onto the Internet. Like if my wife went and transcribed all of the graves that I dug the the Bengals, that would have looked pretty bad. Uh, It was crazy just how that game was just completely different. Those two halves like the teams were basically indistinguishable from each other. Uh, across those halves, how fast the Chiefs moved the ball down the field, the Bengals running a bunch on first down, and it was just like, oh my God, the Chiefs are going to boat race them on their way to the Super Bowl, and then things just absolutely turned on a dime, and uh, yeah, I I was happy for to have either of those teams in the Super Bowl. I think the one thing I wasn't rooting for was a Niners Super Bowl just because I think they were going to slow things way down. They've been mucking up every game they're playing in, whereas at least now with Rams and Bengals, I think we're live for, you know, the the total I think opened at 50, but I think we're live for the game to go, you know, over 60-some points in, in a big-time shootout.
1: I think it came down to 48.5 based on what I was seeing before the show and pulling into my sheets. But I agree, that line should probably move a little bit. Maybe 50 was a little too aggressive to start out here. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing 48.5 now. I agree with you. I think that is the best possible combination. Rams and Chiefs, too, would have been a pretty high probability one of scoring a lot, though I think the Rams would have sold out. It's also ugly that one up. So, I'm with you on that page. Um, The Bengals part of things overall, I feel like Joe Burrow, the the memes coming out, him talking about the diamonds on his chain and how he has too much money uh, to not be paying for real diamonds at this point. Anything for you with the Bengals fans and the reaction here? I just feel like Kansas City played that game so arrogantly. And, and I know, Pete, I sent you that tweet before the game. We could talk about more about their, uh, that side of things and how they were handling that whole situation. But I just feel like Kansas City didn't make th- friends of the rest of America throughout this process. And I think as a result, a lot of tweets out there, just everybody eating Bengals fans over the course of the afternoon.
0: Yeah, I feel like the Chiefs are kind of in that territory where – um, you know, they obviously haven't won as many Super Bowls as the Patriots did during that stretch, but where their greatness is almost boring to people at a, at a certain point. And then obviously you had all the, you know, Jackson Mahomes and, uh, you know, Mahomes' girlfriend and stuff where people wanted them to lose. But it does seem like they're really close to tipping over into villain territory where people just don't want to see them succeed so yeah uh, I I still like watching the Chiefs just because they're one of the most explosive exciting offenses, but man, that second half from Patrick Mahomes, uh, yesterday was one of the worst halves you'll see from a quarterback. I mean, some of those mistakes that were just truly on him as far as taking really bad sacks, um, and stuff again, just light and day from that first touchdown pass, he throws to Tyree Hill, where you're just like, Oh my God, Patrick Mahomes is dialed in making these sidearm laser throws in the back of the end zone. I, I still just can't get
1: over how different he looked in the first and second half. He broke that prop line that I tweeted about. I never tweet about bet lines, but I just didn't get why there was plus money on Mahomes over two and a half touchdowns. Kind of figured he'd be in route to a five touchdown day and said those three touchdowns he had in the first half was all he would do is he goes 26 for 39, 275 yards, three TDs, two picks. Also, as Pete talked about, four crucial sacks for a 39-yard loss overall, no touchdowns in the second half. And I think the buck has to start and stop with him. And I, I retweeted Michael Thomas yesterday. He was like, put that spin move in the trash. <laughs> like Mahomes just continually trying to spin out of coverage and then spinning into another guy on the pass rush over and over again as Joe Burrow on that other side was evading the Chiefs pass rush. he was coming at him just as hot as, he- as hot and heavy. And I think that's really what spoke to me the most is like the Chiefs were playing like a team who felt like they were entitled to win this one. Even that play before the second half where they were going for it at, at the goal line. And I think that probably was the right move. That uh, And Tyreek gets stopped at the one yard line, which if you're going to get Tyreek going into that situation, I feel like you got to trust him. Even if you probably you should have taken the field goal just to play it safe. But I think one of those things Pete where I like the Chiefs. I still like Mahomes. I know J- we've talked enough about Jackson Mahomes, also Patrick's uh fiancé, not the most likable person necessarily either. But like I like the Chiefs and I want to like the Chiefs and I hate that they played that game in such a way where it's like I just think less of them overall for just not not finishing.
0: Yeah, I know. It it does seem the fact that Mahomes in this version of the Chiefs have only won one Super Bowl does we're starting to enter the territory where they're you know greatly underperforming kind of their talent and you know a guy like Mahomes can have a super long super bowl window throughout his career but i mean the afc is just getting so loaded right now with talent i mean we obviously the bills um you know could make a claim to to be the best team after you know narrowly losing you have herbert you have lamar jackson obviously burrow um who knows maybe Rodgers comes over so like, it's not going to be easy with their, when there's so much variance um, in, in NFL games to begin with. Like, it is no, you know, given that even a dominant team like the Chiefs can just waltz their way to the Super Bowl every year. So, yeah, you got to take advantage of those chances when you have them and to have a meltdown like they did. Like, this should have been one of those, like, cakewalk years for the Chiefs where it's like there's a ton of, you know, parity across the league. No one's really establish themselves as a powerhouse, they have to take advantage of those years and to lose to an upstart Bengals team that barely has an offensive line.
1: um, It's pretty crazy. Yeah, really a wild one. And I think too, does kind of uh, speak a, a lesson here to people out there when they, when we look at betting, when we talk about it, I know Pete, uh, we talked about the Bengals odds to win the Super Bowl. I think that was last week uh, when we did our preview of the conference championship bets you could take. And I just didn't think the Bengals should have been plus 800 at that point when everybody else is in the, the plus the 250 range. I think the Chiefs actually might have been minus money when we looked at it on the show. It's at a certain point, you sort of have to understand the volatility of football and, um, and how some teams can play up. Some teams can play down. The Chiefs certainly play down, but I personally wouldn't put any Blame on Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, both guys solid but unspectacular. Kelsey goes for 10 for 95 and a touchdown. Tyreek seven for 78 and a touchdown. Also did have that goal line stop at the one-yard line, which probably changed the entire game in a meaningful way. Uh, but I still don't feel like you could put the blame on him. Nicole Hardman, too, best game he's had all year. Uh the running backs, though, I feel like this is one thing and, and probably a ding into uh the candidacy of for the coaching jobs that Eric enemy is going to get as the offensive coordinator, where former running back, and then you have that performance by Jared McKinnon and CEH where. McKinnon looks pretty good. Then they go to CEH. Just, McKinnon's not getting the results. CEH then drops a couple of passes and just like looks not great. I, I think, if anything, to me, like the receivers, to me, came where they needed to be for this game, Pete. But I think the running backs, that was a weakness that they need to shore up somehow. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I, I think... I I I'm always a believer in that the running backs are just going to be a product of the offense in general and I thought McKinnon still looked good um and and they were good in the first half it was just like I mean when your quarterback has that big of a drop off in his second half performance like the entire offense is going to falter um. So yeah, I I don't know. I just they're not like a team like the Colts or the Niners that just like has to rely on the run game to succeed. I mean their offense is dictated and will live and die by Mahomes. So I mean Mahomes in the second half his passer rating in the first half one forty nine point nine second half an OT twelve point three. Like it was so horrendous that I'm just not sure any single player in that offense could have succeeded in that environment with
1: Mahomes playing so poorly. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also, I have to say, like, narratively, too, in this playoffs, I think if you look at the narrative themes there, like them winning the coin toss again and then not scoring on the drive and the, and the Bengals getting that. I mean, Josh Allen tweeted when they lost the coin toss, or the Chiefs won the coin toss again, rather. Uh, he just tweeted pain, which is a pretty funny tweet by Josh Allen. But it is, you know, like, they really reaped what they sowed here, just kind of getting by the skin of their teeth last week. And this week, they just didn't have enough in it. And, you know, again, it's just a testament to the Bengals and uh, the Chiefs. Unfortunately, as Alex says in the chat, Mahomes hit the shimmy and all downhill from there. And that is basically what it was. And and they need to go into this offseason. Like if they don't come out next year, trying for an undefeated record, I like, I don't know what this team is. Like, I just don't know what, what they think they're doing moving forward. Yeah. Although you reminded me, can we just be so thankful that they didn't score
0: on the first play of overtime and we would have had to have been, you know, inundated with this overtime talk again for another two weeks. It would have been absolutely awful uh it would have reached a true crescendo and because the chiefs you know they would have been entered entering full villain status i bet it would have been enough momentum to get that rule changed this offseason just how much everyone would be like this is bullshit (laughs) chiefs keep winning these coin tosses and going down and, and scoring and these other teams don't have a chance whereas now i feel like the conversation probably
1: doesn't boil up enough for it to actually get changed you live by the luck box coin toss. You die by the luck box coin toss. And I'm just going to read this tweet from KMBC in the uh, Missouri, Kansas City area. Against all odds, we were never supposed to be here. We were never meant to make it this far. But against all odds, we did. What a season. Thank you for the incredible ride. We will always be hashtag Chiefs kingdom. Uh, Pete's pulling the tweet up here. Just a cringe tweet, Pete. Like, especially for this team, I know that there were times in the year where we talked up the Chiefs' odds and said, they're a little bit low for what the Chiefs are, knowing that they're going to turn it on at the end of the year. They've still been a pretty highly ranked team all year. They were the favorite going into the year. You can't be this tone deaf. Otherwise, that is how like a city becomes a villain.
0: Yeah, this is... Uh, again, it reminds me of kind of like when... I would make fun of, you know, new England fans and they'd be like, well, you don't know how hard we had it for so many years until we just started winning titles every single goddamn year in every sport. It's like, sorry, there's, there's no sympathy for you here. Also, like they should be walking around with the target on their back. They should think, that they're the best team in football. I mean, that those skill position players, Mahomes, like they are the best, even if the records didn't necessarily uh, reflect that this year. So I would love to know the story behind uh, what social media person or whoever dictated that this post should get up there, but just a complete lack of self-awareness you'd almost need it. You know how on Instagram where you can post a story just to your friends or specific Mm -hmm. friends, Uh, They needed a version of this where only people who were Chiefs fans could see this tweet
1: because no one else was going to let this slide. If you're a social media manager out there, maybe consider geo-targeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that tweet too, it's worth pointing out. Uh, I sent Pete that tweet like, oh, can we post this? Because I had it in my sheet as like something we should look at. Uh, they did delete it, I think, after being shamed publicly by enough people. <laughs> it was funny too, because I had seen other people dunking on the tweet and I still hadn't seen the
0: tweet last night and it was had already been deleted. And so then you sent me the link again and I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to view this. So they they got out from underneath that tweet pretty quickly.
1: Now let's talk about the NFC side and guys hit the like button if you're watching live or right after the fact we appreciate it a bunch and shout out to the chat I appreciate all the people chiming in right now and participating here cuz we, we this is what it's all about we're just having fun talking about football the Rams, though, held off the Niners 2017 after Jimmy G throws a pick and any last-minute comeback hopes. Cooper Cup, 11 catches for 142 yards and two touchdowns on 14 targets. Odell, monster game for him, too. Nine catches for 113 yards on 11 targets. Poor Tyler Higby, hurts his knee again. And C.J. Ozoma, too. Got to give a shout-out to him on the Bengal side, and maybe maybe we will do that in an upcoming segment in an Italian character. Uh, but overall, those two guys have a like, tough, tough day for the tight ends, who are actually pretty chalky. Kendall Blanton does fill in, though, and probably is going to be pretty live for the showdown contest for the Super Bowl 5. Catches for 57 yards. Cam makers Sonny Michelle end up in a pretty valueless split, though that could have been driven by Cam makers hurting his shoulder early on, then having to leave the game. But I think Pete and, and people in the chat already uh, teeing up a little bit on Matt Stafford, calling him stat Padford again. Um, I I think I planted a very early flag on the Rams when we were doing the off-season shows. I'm excited for Matthew Stafford. Obviously, we love Cooper Cup. It's hard not to love him if you're playing any fantasy at all and you had any access to him on a weekly basis or in a season-long way. But like Matt Stafford, I I just like the joy in his face given that post-game interview. If you're a Lions fan, I know our our guy Slap Nick Prospect was tweeting about uh, if we're going to welcome Matt Stafford to the family this week because as a Detroit fan, like you got to feel good about him getting a shot. But I'm happy for Matt Stafford. I'm happy for this Rams team. Like They kind of teetered on the brink of maybe underperforming this year and and Stafford, I feel like, had the most to prove it. And he proved it majorly in yesterday's game.
0: Yeah, I'm stoked for them, too. They The Rams kind of went all in this year, the way they constructed their team and, you know, even getting someone like Odell when they did, I think proved to be a, an important factor, just having that extra playmaker. Um, yeah. So I, I'm stoked for them. I think they, you know, similar to the box, similar to the bills and the chiefs they had built. And I guess you could say Dallas to a lesser extent had built a really balanced team, you know, where they were strong on offense and, and on defense. So I definitely think they uh, they deserve to uh, to be here. I still have a slightly bad taste in my mouth from the last time the Rams made the Super Bowl and they just played that awful game against the Patriots. That I mean, what was the score to that? Like thirteen to ten or something. Um, But this is a new version. It's uh, it's Matthew Stafford, not Jared Goff. So I'm just hoping we can get a a shootout game uh, and both of these teams don't you know turtle up. I saw someone making a comment about uh, these coaches you know still having the potential to to go in their shells and run the ball a ton which they, they will do at times. So we just need to figure out what the exact
1: environments are for this to be a shootout. But, uh, I think the Rams are definitely capable of it. I'm also thinking, look, I think Cooper Cup, it's going to be hard to even think about fading him at all or even coming in under the field on him for that showdown that'll come up for the Super Bowl. I do think, though, you got to play a lot of Cam Makers and Sony Michelle feed. And I, I I, talked up top, but I talked myself into Cam Makers yesterday. But I feel like in that spot, like I, I think the Rams are going to lean on the run as much as they can. And um, again, we'll get more into the preview here. We have two weeks to sort of dig into all the stuff. But I like Cam Makers and whoever at running back in your lineups for showdown already. And I don't know if you feel differently, but I'm willing to keep going back to the Cam Makers as well. Because because they clearly want to feed him if it doesn't line up right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Cam Akers stuff was interesting for, for yesterday. I mean, he didn't have a great game. I think I did lose my, my bets on his over on uh, on rushing props. But, I mean, going into that game, like I was reading Karain's piece on NBC uh, and talking about that, you know, the way to attack... The, the Niners was through the air, that their run defense was much stronger than their pass defense. So, I mean, it's it makes sense that they chose to go through the air and you saw how much success, you know, Cup and Odell were having. So I, I'm not too uh, worried about it. I guess I could say I was wrong in that I didn't think Sony Michel was going to get quite as many carries as he did. Um, that shifted kind of back toward more of a, a timeshare there uh, as far as a full bell cow thing. So maybe those fumbles were lingering in um in McVay's mind from the divisional round, but uh I think Cam Akers is gonna be fine. He's just had a couple of tough matchups. I mean, the Bucs
1: and the Niners are not two of the easiest run defenses. You know, the Niners then, they got a solid day from Debo Samuel, despite Jimmy Garoppolo trying to kill him with throws over the middle, but four for 72 plus a TD, also runs seven times for 26 yards. Uh, George Kittle held in the block most of the day, does get one touchdown when things got desperate. And Eli Mitchell kind of bombed here, 11 carries for 20 yards. You get how that could happen going against an Aaron Donald-helmed defensive line. But overall, Pete, it felt like the Niners were kind of limp, and it does feel like this has got to be the thing that leads to Jimmy G leaving town. You would think. You would you would truly think I, I saw someone had sent uh, Pat
0: and I a tweet saying, are are we worried about, you know, if if uh, Jimmy G would have won this game and the Niners just being like, we're going to just roll another year with Jimmy G. And then on the other hand, it's like Jimmy G took them to the Super Bowl. This was Pat's reply. And then they use three first round picks to, to get up and get Trey Lance. So, yes, I mean, I am kind of thankful that there is no ambiguity here. Uh, I feel like the Jimmy G EPA stands uh, can quietly kind of go to sleep now and just knowing he is not enough uh, to to take your team to win a super bowl. So I'm, I'm excited for the Trey Lance era. I think the upside, even, even though there's more downside than with Jimmy G, I think the upside is, is too good and they need to see what Trey Lance can do in this offense with these weapons. I mean, incredible running game Kittle and Debo uh, could easily be the, you know, the Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey of a new
1: look 49ers team. So I'm ready for it. It's time to unleash Trey Lance. Not to mention Brandon Ayuk who has shown an upside before. Like there, there's some pathways here for the Niners to be very good, very fast. And I think we saw enough from Eli Mitchell as well. Uh, the core of the team is there. And you know, I think Mitchell, you probably could say takes a little bit of a downturn if you have Trey Lance at QB, uh, taking a few of the checkdowns away, probably taking a few rushes per game away. But overall, Trey Lance, I, I know a lot of the best ball bros, including uh Pete and some of the guys that we hold in a lot of esteem. We're really hoping Trey Lance will get his shot this year. Next year, I don't know how you don't how you don't go that way. And there were reports too Pete, I don't know if you saw that Trey Lance's girlfriend has now officially moved. To san francisco so uh clearly they're locked in i see i get all of my girlfriend news from you you were
0: giving me the christian kirk low down a couple weeks ago now you keep me up to date on trey lance so yeah i appreciate that you're like my human uh nfl instagram feed <laughs> i that's all i can be pete i'm not gonna give you good <laughs> betting advice i'm just gonna give you instagram updates. wait
2: good yeah.
0: good betting advice don't you want to take your victory lap didn't you have one on on twitter yesterday you-, you were uh, uh snaking a soft line there
1: yeah, the the Mahomes line, I took that bet on uh on Fox and FanDuel and it's funny cuz like I think I think people like when they see your bet amount and I actually didn't put it on on purpose, but I like I put 250 on Fox cuz I'm like I've been crushing on Fox and I'm like I'm just going to keep rolling that forward. But yeah, that's one of those that we talk about a lot. I know our new site that we're launching um as part of the company I work for Edge Sports. Uh we're going to be doing a, a basically, you know, looking at positive EV betting, so comparing lines compared to uh, what else is out there? And if, for those bets, like Pinnacle had Mahomes over two and a half touchdowns as minus 120. If Pinnacle has it at minus 120 and Fox has it as plus 120, like it's just a good bet to take, whether you, especially when it aligns with, you know, the football things you expect that being a high scoring game, a high total game. Um, So happened to work out. Mahomes hit that line comfortably in the first half and then proceeded to do nothing else. So actually, Pete, I guess it was pretty good line at <laughs> two and a half, given that he just barely eked it out. You know what? It's all about printing those Skolansky bucks. You know,
0: telling your followers to just trust the process and that you got it in good. That's all that matters, right? Yeah, uh, one can only hope, Peter, for our sake. I don't know how it. This is how I am with sports bets, and I don't know this was actually, cause I don't have access yet to mm. all of the, you know, legalized sports betting. So I'm having to deal with offshores. Generally offshores are pretty slow to post their lines. You know, they'll, you know, during the season, they'll put them up Sunday morning. Um, then they're already kind of beaten to death and everything. Mm. But this week, because it was conference championship weekend, they actually had them up much earlier in the week. So I was actually able to kind of tail some of the early stuff. But what I was going to say is like the way I sweat sports bets is basically I don't, sweat it at all. Like you, I just have this portfolio of bets and then I go and refresh at the end of the game to see like how they did. Do you find yourself? I mean, you probably were sweating that specific one because you put it on Twitter and had, you know, further accountability, but still like the sportsbook sweats when you have a bunch of them are, are kind of hard.
1: Yeah, I mean that's where the whole thing is moving towards is live betting, and that's something that I know people there are advantages to be had more so in live betting because the books just can't, uh, you know, market price accordingly the way they're supposed to. Uh, but I, you know, I like having the bets and having an awareness of them. I do have to say, like during the week, usually, like right now, we're going to talk about Super Bowl bets, and I have to say, based on the way that I like to bet, which is sort of comparing, you know, price shopping around and figuring out where your advantage is going to be. There is not a single Super Bowl bet right now that looks like a positive EV bet where you could expect it to, to win more than you're going to lose basically at a higher rate. Um, that's what I'm always looking for. So I think you know for me, it is sort of you want to know the profile. I think I'm also usually a $100 unit or $100 per unit better. So like when I'm doing double that and <laughs> a little bit more just because I'm that confident in it, I do sweat it a bit more. But I think uh, it's sort of a mindset thing where at a, at a certain point, we're all just going to be sweating live bets because that's going to be the one advantage you still theoretically have.
0: Yeah, we were. I think it was on. Uh, it must have been Tuesday on Club Top Shot. We were talking to Peter Jennings and um, about Super Bowl betting, and he was talking about kind of his strategy every year. And I mean, it makes sense, but you know, there's obviously soft lines when it opens, um, just because the books maybe aren't you know as in tune with all of the micro you know kind of stuff with these teams. But as the week progresses, leading all the way up to Sunday when all of the casuals come into bet and the casuals overwhelmingly bet overs, you know, so you will I, I guarantee like a, as an example, he used Tyree kill as an example from a couple of years ago, but the Cooper cup number, is going to come in massive. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised. I know in most of these spots, um, he's been like anywhere from like 100 to like 115 yards. My guess is that by Super Bowl Sunday, like that line could get up to 120 125 because every casual is going to be like, Cooper Cup has wrecked the world this year. I'm betting the over on his yardage prop. And so basically Pete's point was, you know, waiting until about the last possible minute to then come in and bet unders on all of that stuff that gets inflated by, you know, the public money coming in. So that'll be something to keep an eye out, try to poach those, you know, bad lines that come out and then kind of sitting on your hands until all the casuals come in and change them again.
1: Yeah, and we'll be tracking these bets too. If there are ones that come up throughout the course of the week that do sort of take that angle where I feel confident enough to say like, this is a positive ROI bet, a plus EV bet, um, I'll drop them on here if we can. And, um, and worth, I also enjoy you explaining like another really sharp person named Pete. Cause you're like, well, Pete's strategy here. It's like, you would refer to yourself in the third person. <laughs> like you're some sort of delicate genius.
0: No, I, I am not. I'm not, I'm just more tilting that I don't have uh, access to, a. Uh... You know, legalize sports betting because I, mean, uh, I want access to all these books. I'm sick, st- sick of dealing with uh, you know the offshores and all that shit.
1: You know, we're we're partners in this now. We're riding this this splash play ship as best we can together and trying to do more. So if you want to get in on a combined betting account together, like Bill Simmons and Company does, uh, I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed if that's if, as long as it's legal to wow. say that out loud. <laughs> Intertwining our finances is uh, <laughs> that's the next step to our relationship. That's true. It's our podcast matrimony here. <laughs> and Anthony in the chat asking, does this turn into a daily Wordle review show? After the Super Bowl, oh, I mean the big game. Sorry, Pete. Uh, Pete, first of all, Wordle obviously thriving in the streets. AT&T replying to my Wordle tweets, (laughs) trolling you for some reason unclear. Uh, But, Pete, we're going to keep doing other things here, and I don't think we have to fall back on the Wordle crutch unless that is something that comes up in the offseason show draft. I will
0: say uh, I was having a a lot of fun with that bit, but there were some true, it was always fun because like anyone who follows me, you know, knows that I'm doing a bit and I actually don't give one flying fuck what you do with your free time or what games you play. But I started getting replies from people who don't, follow me who were like legitimately super pissed that I was saying that mm-hmm. things about Wordle. So yes, that the, my Wordle hate had somehow, uh, you know, gravitated toward even, you know, non pockets of our sphere on
1: Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I found out big Wordle Twitter, uh, can get big mad. If yeah, people just searching Wordle to be, I, I will <laughs> never get the concept of people who search something just to get angry at it. Like f- find something else to do would be my thought. Yeah, I, I don't even get the impression that
0: it's people searching for Wordle so much as like there's maybe like one small overlap with people they follow and I follow. And so then the algorithm kind of like drops it in your feed. Uh, and maybe it was just such a scorching hot take that the algorithm just had to, uh, to shove it
1: in more people's faces. And Mari in the chat saying prize picks props are almost like betting, you know, same thing for our pals over at underdog where you can use that promo code splash to get yourself up to a $100 deposit match. Um, if you don't have legal betting in your state, certainly trying to take advantage of those sites, uh, thrive fantasy, another one, like, you know, they've previously partnered with us as well, but any of these sites out there, you know, if you are looking for that betting fix, you can find some of it. Um, you're not going to find the gigantic paydays. Like you'll see Uh, BR betting and some of the other sites retweeting. I don't know if you've that at all. People like it's, it's $20, like first touchdown score props where somebody somehow wins thousand dollars and i hate that's what the betting industry promotes because that is so unlikely to win very often
0: yeah no it's the uh it's the vegas dave school of uh of marketing these things um yeah the uh I, i'm just i've i feel like we haven't seen from rovell in a while the like parlay you know parlay pats yeah. you know 19 leg parlay that that he hit um uh, it's been a while since
1: we've seen those yeah, he probably he probably feels like he tapped that well. He's got to go back to it at some point. Plus everybody's doing that now. Like I know there are some uh, some other people that have definitely stolen the Darren Rovell school of thought. Um but Pete, I think it's time to do a little welcome to the family if you're ready. Um I'm always ready for
0: our premiere show segment.
2: Welcome to the family. CD, Chepale, what balls on this guy? I'm out Shit, he's gonna take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren, the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to the family. We're gonna welcome you to the family. Get in here. Get in here.
1: Uh, nothing better than when the views reach a high for the episode, right in time for us to do character work that will probably confuse a lot of people <laughs> coming over the splash play for the first time
2: hey hey it's good to be here spags you know we're down the now i want you to follow this closely we're down the one game left there in the season and we're running out of people to welcome the family i'm looking around the table there's no more place settings we got all all the dishes are used dude we got to be very judicious who we welcome in here
1: today that is going to be the case. Well we do this pretty much every Monday unless Pete feels a little fatigued and I go. We could spare you. we could spare you this week, Pete. We got enough other bits to do. We are gonna indoctrinate somebody uh, from the weekend into the family each, maybe two people or maybe today. I think we gotta say goodbye to somebody. But first, I'm gonna welcome one guy in because quite frankly, I-, I have a soft heart. I know on this show, uh, my the guy who I'm not sure if is me or is a-, a different person entirely Chris Bag. sometimes a bit of a dick to people out there. but I, as an italian based character have a soft heart for somebody called cj uzoma and cj uzoma uh, kind of sounds like an italian name but more than anything just hurts me to see him with his injured knee leaving that game a guy who All playoff long, became a reliable target for Joey Burrow. Joe Burrow, is everybody saying, because he's so white, gold. But C.J. Uzoma, a guy going down this time of the year, Pete, as his team is on this historic run, I just got to welcome him in, give him a little hug him a little kiss on the cheek because he brought it all and he gave it all to this team and now he won't get to reap the benefits.
2: Look, Spags, I think it's incredibly commendable that you're welcoming an injured, a maimed person into our family. I think it's incredibly sweet of you. You were telling me before the show that you're going to cut up his little pasta, his little chicken parmesan into the smallest pieces. And you're going to even put it in your mouth and you're going to chew it up for him just in case he's not physically able to chew his own food. And then like a mama bird going to her baby bird, you're going to spit the little bits of chicken parmesan into CJ. J. mouth and make sure that it goes down nice and easy. That's so sweet of you, Spaggies.
1: That's what that's that you got to do for the player because his knee hurts. Obviously, he can't chew food correctly as a result. Uh, so, yeah, you just got to spit. His mouth. Sometimes you just want to spit in the player's mouth. That's also a thing.
2: Oh, th- this actually reminds me, Spaggs. I was listening to the broadcast, and I kept hearing your name mentioned. People talking about Steve Spaggs over here. I'm just wanting to know who's the real Spags. Is it you? Is it Stevie Spags? Because I'm getting kind of confused these days. There was a
1: point before Steve Spagnolo rose to national pride, whatever, prominence is what we would say in the community, uh, where I could search Spags on Twitter and I would just find things about me, which was somewhat helpful as a content creator. Then Steve Spagnolo comes in, leads the Giants to some Super Bowls, the defensive coordinator that completely sucks on the Rams. People would ask me if he's related to me. And Pete, at this point, I think I'm just going to say he's a distant uncle.
2: Okay, okay, because I think I would personally like to see you guys enter the Roman Coliseum and kind of fight it out for true SPAC supremacy. That would just personally be my idea.
1: Now, welcoming into the family, he doesn't know me, but I know him. Actually, he might know me. Maybe he got some bad SEO on his name from a certain celebrity. He's like, what's going on here? They're hurting the name, hurting the brand.
2: You know, it's it's true, but uh, I do want to welcome someone of the family, okay, Spags? I don't know if you saw our king, dude. The most swaggy dude I've ever goddamn seen, Joe Ooh. Burrow. You see him waltz in. The Kansas City, rocking the bling, the fur coat. Who knows what kind of animal was killed to make this beautiful jacket. But King Joe Burrows, this is a throwback. Looking like Joe Namath out here, okay? This dude is welcome to the family. I'm going to give him the biggest drumstick we have. And I'm going to drizzle marinara sauce all over it and feed it right through his little mouth.
1: Joe Burrow, icy cold with his looks, but also kind of resembles a young James Dean where you could imagine him rolling a pack of cigarettes up in his sleeve to keep the vibes going. I think Joe Burrow, look, I don't. I know we don't like to objectify men on here, but Joe Burrow, the most handsome man in the playoffs, I'm not afraid to go there, Pete.
2: Dude, I'm willing to say it, the bold, the young, the beautiful, now in the Super Bowl, I mean, this guy's the king. I say we put him at the
1: head of the table, Spags. Look, I when he got those boy band good looks, he could be at the head of any table I would go to. And now a guy Pete, a guy that I think, quite frankly, we've been dying to kick out of the family for a while. I brought him in last week because I was impressed with him continuing to succeed despite just being mostly incompetent. But Jimmy Garoppolo, you got to get out of the family. He's out of the family. Bad branding for the Italian culture, bad branding as well, where uh, one of my close friends got New York sports betting in his life, went on DraftKings, saw a bet where all four quarterbacks peak going over 250 yards. You know who's the one quarterback who did not go over 250 yards despite all the runway to do so? Jimmy G, he is fucking everybody (laughs) out there. He is taking it. And I think at this point, we got to cut our losses on Jimmy G unless he ends up in a fantasy-friendly environment next year. Then we can talk ourselves No,
2: no, no. I can already hear you trying to relapse right as we kick him out of the family. And now you're saying under some circumstances, you'll bring that man back into our home. No, no, no. This man has sullied. Our good Italian names. It's so hard for our children, our nieces, our nephews to have a pillar of the Italian community in the NFL. And this is what he does to us. Be gone, Jimmy Garoppolo. Be gone.
1: Jimmy G right now on SpankBang.com searching the latest Milfactions to take out to a nice Italian dinner to fill his offseason because he's probably going to have a lot of free time ahead of him.
2: That's right, that's right. But uh, you know, when God closes a door, he opens a Trey Lance. I might call him Trey Lanceroni and just pretend he's Italian, honestly. The
1: San Francisco Three, Trey Lanceroni. (laughs) You got one more welcome, or are we done with this? No, we are done. (laughs) Welcome to the family CD. Chefale, what balls on this guy,
2: Amaro? He's going to take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to the family. I'm going to welcome you to the family. Get in here. Get in here.
1: it's always sad to see him go i don't know who we're gonna to welcome to the family next i guess we have to welcome pro bowl players in the family what are we gonna do uh you know i don't know maybe come up with a new segment <laughs> idea <laughs> i mean i liked the german characters we briefly did i don't know that but we are you ethnically german i don't know if we could do that
0: uh i am not i am ethnically dutch
1: oh oh god put the finger in the dike huh
2: <laughs> wow please someone please clip
1: that uh, Coach Carousel time, Pete. We got some new hires going on, and let's start with the. Uh, of course, we talked about the Bears hiring Matt Eberflus. Uh, he's uh, Pete cares not very much about these updates, but he will later on in the year. Matt Eberflus not going to be hiring a, or actually will be hiring a defensive coordinator. Excuse me, will not be calling plays for the defense for the Bears. So there's something to keep in mind there. Broncos. We talked about Nathaniel Hackett last week. He's poaching that Packers staff and hopefully building himself a better roster. But the Raiders getting Josh McDaniels. I think this one actually does matter. Uh, Josh McDaniels. We've seen rely on the run also so really i think play some uh, conservative play calling both for the patriots and for himself when he was the broncos coach I think there's a really big one for Josh Jacobs. And I think we also have kind of to pour one out for a guy, Rich Basaccio, who the players seemed like they wanted to hire. He helped stabilize that team in a really tough year with a John Gruden's midseason removal. But Josh McDaniel's coming in, Pete. That is a big game hunt that people, a lot of teams have been going for the last few years. So you got to feel good about that get. And I think really Josh Jacobs, to me, is probably a 20 touch guy. And I don't know who he's going to get drafted where he should be in best ball. Um, probably a little bit overpriced there. But I like this move for the Raiders, and I think it's probably going to bode pretty well.
0: Yeah, I'm probably not the right person to ask because I mean, the last time Josh McDaniels had a head coaching stint was back when I actually rooted for laundry and was a Denver Broncos fan. And he came in, um, basically like a tornado and <laughs> it went through the Broncos franchise trading away, you know, Cutler, Brandon Marshall, pissing off Peyton Hillis. Like it was quite the ordeal and it was a situation where the organization gave him kind of carte blanche as both a GM and a coach to make all the decisions. And he did not have the skill uh or I guess the interpersonal soft skills to pull that off. And so I guess the interesting thing for me here will be, you know, is he going to be, You know, having kind of unilateral decision making, or is he going to play to his strengths, which clearly is calling plays and being a really good offensive coordinator? So assuming that you know, he hires a good defensive coordinator or whoever is is there right now and he's willing to delegate and not go mad with power like he did at Denver, um, then I think he's going to be fine. And you also have to assume he's probably matured and learned some mm-hmm. lessons from the last time that happened. That was a long time ago, but that's always what comes to, to my mind when I think of Josh McDaniels as a non-offensive coordinator.
1: I think that's fair and you know maybe I'm a little biased here as somebody that does believe in personal growth and does believe in the ability to be less of a you know a piece of shit or whatever it may be relative uh, much like I think you should leave fit <laughs> I used to be a piece of shit and now I'm not anymore I would say for Josh McDaniels you kind of hope that's the case and he comes in with some of those lessons learned and I think you know the war chess for the Raiders is pretty interesting you have to do some position guys you can use Hunter Renfro we do know the historical love that Josh McDaniels has had for a solid reliable slot receiver you have Darren Waller a tight end we've seen him get usage out some tight ends as well I um, and certainly provide those guys a lot of value and again the running backs like I think every stop he's been at uh, does look pretty good uh but <laughs> that is I hate the outfit the Belichick ripoff outfit is so cringe
0: yeah, uh, I I remember this one uh, uh, too. Yeah, it, it the McDaniel's era in Denver was so funny too because we started off to a really hot start too. I think we started like six and one or seven and one. Kyle Orton was the quarterback. They beat New England at home. Josh McDaniel's was treating it like his Super Bowl. Uh, you know, beating Bill Belichick, jumping up around. And then it was all downhill from there. We ended up not making the playoffs that year. The Chargers, uh, you know, won out to finish the season.
1: And uh, it was all downhill from there for Josh McDaniels. Yeah, we'll see what happens here. I, you know, I think it's an interesting spot for him and I hope that it does work out uh, for him here and for the Raiders fans, who I think are an interesting spot. Vegas, certainly a team you want to see be fun. And a hire that I really like, and uh, we also had uh, Travis asking about our Vikings, uh, the Vikings, his Vikings rather, who we think should be hired. I'm not really at a speculation part, though I do think one team, I'm curious about how they're going to go to and we could share that in a second. But the Giants hiring Brian Dable from the Bills, I think a really nice win. Unfortunately, our, our mutual pal, more Pete's pal, Crack Rock, uh, sourcing there, not working out with the Brian Flores, <laughs> (laughs) higher but Brian Dable a nice pickup we know what he did with that Bills offense A guy who came in and for me you know like I normally do like guys coming from more of a an offensive coach kind of pedigree where they're looking more at the explosive downfield throws Dable was a tight ends coach but we saw him really make the most of Josh Allen for sure. And I think lean in fantasy wise on stuff that made him good. And Daniel Jones, I know there's some questions out there about picking up his option now, but you're a giants fan. I think you got to feel really good about this hire as a guy who got the most out of a team that uh, maybe didn't have a lot of talent. And the giants actually do have the talent to be good next year. If they kind of get things going in the right direction.
0: Yeah. uh, I think, I mean, it's only a positive, like the giants need, as much help as they can get, I feel like they've kind of tapped out on, you know, what they can do from a skill position standpoint surrounding Daniel Jones with talent. I mean, you have one of the better running backs. You bring in Kenny Galladay, you know, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, like all of these guys are, you know, at least slightly above average, you know, players. So what, what more can they do to kind of fix this other than trying to find another quarterback or shaking things up? So I think it's an encouraging, uh hire. and, you know, Josh Allen is like, you know, what if if they could get, you know, uh, Daniel Jones to be like 70% of Josh Allen, uh, they would be absolutely thrilled. And they have similar type of, I don't want to say skill sets because Josh Allen is in another tier, but at least coming into the league, you know, tall, big dudes with big arms that can run. Like there are some comparisons there. So it seems like a nice fit and it will be a good experiment because I think it's always sometimes hard to untangle quarterback coach offensive scheme, you know, what really makes things work. Um, I think if they can unlock Daniel Jones here, it will
1: definitely be, you know, a tip of the cap toward, you know, the coaching side of, of what's pulling the levers there. Yeah, that's where I'm pretty much with it. Where I think Daniel Jones can do a poor man's Josh Allen. That'd be my hope. We've seen him be mobile, be able to run around. We've seen him be able to throw the deep ball here and there. The issue is I think this Joe Judge offense the last few years was not rewarding that ability to throw it downfield. And that's something where, you know, that's if that's a function of the offense, that's what you're doing. You guys have you have Slayton out there. You still have Galladay being useful. We certainly saw enough from Kadarius Tony this year where he could be good. I think the weapons are there and Barkley, if you'd get a little more out of him and, and he's really more of a rich man's, I would say, Devin Singletary type. Uh, Singletary certainly came on strong this year, but we know Barkley and the pedigree he has, assuming that he stays a part of the team, I think there's a lot there for the Giants. And I think for, you know, for best ball type stuff, I'd be intrigued by getting the team. at, uh, I know you're digging this, this is a little bit more, Pete, but I feel like you can get giant stacks for literally nothing right now. And I think they could actually have some value. Yeah, I I don't
0: know. I haven't reviewed. The only ADP I reviewed was with Pat, those top 40 uh, picks. And um, I think Saquon was was the only guy uh, in the top 40, although that was even similar. I think heading in to this year, Kenny Galladay was what going in like the late fifth in stuff. So yeah, there's gonna be huge discounts on on all of those guys.
1: And I, I think they could be interesting. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And then the one that uh, people are asking about, DJ Local saying, oh, the Texans going to get Josh McCown. Apparently they wanted to hire him last year and they've been trying to get other teams to interview Josh McCown so they can get him in. I actually think the Texans are going to hire Brian Flores, and that, that could be wrong by me. This might be me reading incorrectly, reading some tea leaves. But I think if you're the Texans, now you maybe try to salvage that Deshaun Watson relationship, and he supposedly did want to pay a play for Brian Flores, even though Flores uh, didn't quite give him the cosign when there were the rumors floating around about trading him. But if you're Brian Flores in that spot, you have two in your locker room, what are you going to do? I think in this spot, I, if I'm the Texans, I'm pairing Watson with a solid defensive courtier who's proven to be a motivator of men, who's also young enough to be relevant. I think Brian Flores and the Texans, Pete, I know you don't care. I just like this hire a lot. If they could sort of save the Watson thing and, and not trade him for, they're trading him for pennies on the dollar at this point. Uh, DJ Locals saying, are they going to get McCown? I mean, I,
0: I haven't read much uh, lately on the, uh, the Deshaun Watson stuff, but it really seemed like, he, he was done in, in Houston had played his last snap there. So yeah, I don't know on that front, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a coaching upgrade. I, I was bummed to see Flores out in Miami. I think he's a pretty sharp coach and has kind of shown a skill set for being able to rebuild, uh, there. So I think it, it makes sense, uh, for both of them. It's probably demoralizing for Flores for like, you know, starting with a rebuild with the
1: dolphins and then having to do it all over again now. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a fit that makes sense. Yeah, And McCown too, you know, if that's, I think if they, if they do hire McCown, it's probably because they're not bringing back Watson. I think if they're keeping Watson, then you bring Flores and you use him as sort of the the shield where he's going to help shepherd Watson into being a better human being. And I think that kind of gives them some cover. And that's, you know, what we've talked about here, where uh, if they fire a defensive coach, you're usually hiring an offensive coach. If they fire an offensive coach, they're usually going to hire a defensive coach. That's just what these teams do to kind of give themselves that, that PR buffer that you can get. And I think that is one way to do it. Um, and I think coaching hires to uh, the Jaguars still have not made their hire. The Saints still have not made theirs. Both teams supposedly pretty hot on Byron left, which we'll see which way that goes. Uh, but otherwise, Pete, I will spare you from talking more coaching carousel because now we can talk some Super Bowl bets if you want to pull up BK Sportsbook and, and screen share that. Sure. Let me see what we got here. Yeah, I feel like you'd be happy. And you're happy whenever you don't have to talk coaching. So I'm going to give you give you a little bit of a taste back after you had to survive one more segment, which you're probably going to survive like at least five more. seems. <laughs>
0: Yes, the I mean, whenever I see those on the show sheet, uh, you know, it's it's always tough for me, Spags, to try whenever to you see up. the show
1: sheet, you mean... <laughs> I mean which is pretty rare in itself. We used to do that. like I used to share it with you. Now you just know like we text about it and that's a little behind the the sausage being made here on <laughs> Splash play. Yeah. Uh you know, I, I appreciate your show sheet work, Spags. Um, like we're putting okay. we're probably together a whole year of shows. We got to do it somehow. DK Sportsbook, though. you got the Super Bowl specials, Super Bowl 56 futures. I think maybe some fun bets. Again, probably not plus EV bets, but I think there are some speculative ones we could probably make.
0: Uh yeah. Let's let's see here. Um
1: what which what, ones yeah. you, what what category do you want to look at? Let's look at the futures first, because I think this is one right away where you can make a case for what the story is going to be. It's worth keeping in mind, Super Bowl MVPs do tend to be the quarterbacks. Um, The Super Bowl specials we can get into, those are just kind of one-line prop bets. This one, I think Joe Burrow at plus money makes a lot of sense. I think Matthew Stafford would be the one I'd be least inclined to take. Um, The minus money QB, not an option that I would really love um, if that line does move a little bit more towards positive money, maybe there. But I feel like right now, if you look at this board, Pete, Joe Burrow, Cooper Cup, I think Odell also plus two thousand. I think those are probably my top three favorites. I don't think the Aaron Donald one. I don't get why that's at plus eighteen hundred. It feels like a honestly a pretty big ripoff.
0: Yeah, I mean to me, Cooper Cup I think is the one interesting non chalk bet. Obviously, quarterback the best bet here. But I mean, we've seen Cooper Cup have these massive games, and like the whole storyline this season has been you know how incredible Cooper Cup looks, and it, it you almost feel like, and again, this is so narrative driven, but that Stafford almost feels detached from the conversation when we talk about Cooper cup. Whereas like you think back to years where, you know, Brady and Godwin had a big connection. It was always like the two of them, or even like Rogers Adams. It's like this joint thing where it does just feel like Cooper cup is doing this all on his own, just from a narrative standpoint. So that one's kind of interesting to me. Cooper cup was even getting some, you know, MVP, MVP, discussion love as well so if he does one of these two to three touchdown games 150 plus yards which is certainly in the range of outcomes for him I think he could definitely be in play and I think I guess if I wanted to make some kind of other case I think you could make a similar case for Jamar Chase like if Jamar Chase has the game that he had against the Chiefs in week 17 where he scored 50 some points I mean, I think he would probably win MVP in that discussion. So at plus two thousand, I think that's interesting. So the quarterbacks, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, those those are the ones that seem pretty interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I would say too, like you could probably take a few of these and have a decent chance of turning a profit. Where if you take Cooper Cup, you take Odell, um, you take Joe Burrow. I guess if you're taking Joe Burrow, you're kind of hedging against uh, the other two guys winning MVP. Like, I think to me, just taking any bets, like take three of the bets that aren't Matthew Stafford and you have a decent chance of turning a profit. Cause like if Odell hits, like you're covered a variety of ways. And if Cooper Cup hits like six to one odds, like that's that's nice money to be made there. And you can sort of hedge with Burrow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of, I mean, I feel like there's probably better places to park your money than on, on Stafford or, or Burrow there. So yeah, I, I like the cup. I like the chase. Um, I mean, Aaron Donald would have to do insane things to to
1: win that. Um, you want to pull up the TD scorers too? I feel like this yeah. one, maybe there's something interesting. Um, Cooper Cup minus 200. <laughs> I feel like it's not a bet I'd want to take, but also like, I you got to get why he's that. <laughs> That's crazy odds for a guy who is a wide receiver scoring a touchdown. All of these odds here in like the top 10
0: look like they're too tight, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. even like Tyler Boyd at plus 275, like Tyler Boyd feels like he should be like a plus 400 or something. I don't know. All of these, I'm not like running up to, you know, bet on Sony Michelle scoring a touchdown at plus
1: 240. Like none of these feel like the payoff is worth the risk that you're taking on. I would definitely prefer to go Sony Michelle at plus two forty over cam makers minus one ten, given what we've seen of Cam and the fact that um again, the shoulder injury we talked about, but still did see mostly a 50, 50 split with Michelle and Cam Akers. Like I think this is sort of my overall thesis with it. It's really any minus money bet for these. Like it's just not gonna be worth your time. Um, but if you could sort of get the leverage logic there where you take, um, you know, take Joe Mixon instead. I guess Joe Mixon's minus money too. But take um Sony Michelle instead of Cam Akers. Like, just take the plus money guy if you are going to make these bets and and really betting for the entertainment more than you are for like a real edge.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I were going to do any of these, I feel like the defenses with a pick six or you know strip sack touchdown or br- the quarterbacks with a QB sneak at the goal line, like these to me are more interesting. Like, I, I, I could, how could I pay plus three fifty for Drew Sample? I would. I Isn't a Joe Burrow or Stafford QB sneak way more within the range of outcomes than like a Drew Sample TD. I don't know. That that seems like I I know Uzoma's out but but still
1: some of these odds seem way too tight for for their role. Oh yeah. The burrow one. I agree. Like I actually think the burrow touchdown is not a bad idea at all. Just because of him rushing a little bit more. We do know he can run and he stopped running uh, not quite as much this year because of the knee injury that he's coming off of. Um, I think that's an interesting one. And I'd say if we're going to do a real long shot one, I don't know if there's any, you would even consider taking Pete, but I think plus 2000 for Trent Taylor, given that we saw him come in (laughs) for that two point conversion, him getting a gimmick touchdown would not surprise me. No, no, that,
0: that would, yeah. What if those would be fun, but it's like that's where you want to be closer like what is, what is is the difference between Trent Taylor and um Drew Sample that much <laughs> like to your point like it's probably gonna be a random scheme package thing um, I'm with you. I was just also thinking imagine being this guy like you're going to the big super Bowl party and the one thing you bet was no touchdown score and just like everyone's miserable with some fucking field goal fest and you're just going absolutely wild.
1: I feel like that would be a good bit. Only for there to be a last-minute touchdown to Trent Taylor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, oh my. Yeah, not the most fun one. Um, let's go to Super Bowl specials real fast here, and we're going to do more Super Bowl bets. I think the goal is going to be to do, like, a Super Bowl bet preview show next week where we just go through everything and actually have to pick one, maybe make that a, a ride-or-die thing. Um, Cooper Cup to have a 50-yard-plus a touchdown. I think that one's actually more interesting just because we've seen this man get behind so many defenses and also like you're getting then plus money on a bet that's minus money another way. And I think that's sort of the bets too. Like, you know, just trying to think about the logic of it all. Like that appeals to me more than him at minus 200 to score any time.
0: Yeah, I, I'd I'd rather take on an event like this, and I mean, Cooper Cup has been getting loose uh, in these secondaries a lot. We saw him do it against the Bucks. Uh, he did it yesterday. He even had that bad pass. So yeah, fifty yard touchdown uh, pass. That that one seems way funner, and it, it's crazy too. Like what were what were his MVP odds? It's not even that different. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know you and I also like uh, with prop betting in general and specifically the Super Bowl. Um, and I know like the plus EV grinders don't necessarily do that. That's just like, Hey, if there's a plus EV, EV bet, you make it, but I like correlating bets, right? Like if you're betting Cooper cup to win MVP, you know, him scoring a 50 plus yard touchdown reception is probably one of the things that would, would need to happen, you know, for, for that. So, uh, I think it's fun to kind of stack those up
1: as well. And then you really sweep, uh, if your parlay hits, so to speak. So would you only do those then as a parlay or would you be willing to do them as individual bets? No, I
0: think you, I think, I mean, all of this stuff, I I don't, none of these um, odds, I think are probably going to have a lot of expected value to -hmm. them. I think there's a lot of VIG baked into these. I think where you're going to see the value is just on the true, you know, over under on yardage, rushing yards, stuff like that. I could be wrong. There could be some plus EV bets sitting in here.
1: Um, But in general, with these specials, in the futures, I think they're pretty juiced up. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I would say the Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup over 199.5, also a pretty fun one, especially because any of these guys can get there by themselves. But like, it's hard to imagine the guy who plays worst not giving you at least 50 yards. I think. And I think to me, that gives you a pretty nice runway to get there. I don't know if you had to take one between that Pete or the uh, Burrow and Stafford over 599.5 combined passing yards, and you know a little more money on the Burrow and Stafford one. Which one is more appealing to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with your logic that it seems very likely that one of these guys could have a big game and then the other one would just have to be mediocre for you to clear that. Um, But man, plus 105 just does not make it move for me. Uh, I mean, that's still, even both of those guys averaging 100 yards. I mean, that's, that's massive. I saw someone in the chat said Cooper Cup opened up at 102. I believe Jamar Chase was at like 87 for the AFC Championship game. So, I mean these are massive massive numbers so i think in general with these type of things i'm i'm probably an under or
1: a no guy with these so i, I guess this is the cop out but i don't like either of them And we're going to talk more about these bets coming up in the next few weeks. I think that was just a fun little preview we could do here. And I think as Matt Murphy says in the chat, he sums it up pretty well. Can't wait to lose more money on the Super Bowl. (laughs) I think that has summed up a lot of great players NFL seasons out there, uh, or NFL betting and fantasy seasons. Uh, But I agree, like, you know, Super Bowl is fun because you – I think if there's any time, Pete, you could justify taking these kind of bets more than you would normally. And I'm with you. Like, I am more of a plus TV grinder. I'd rather take bets that are positive assets rather than ones that are, you know, going to be minus – if for the Super Bowl, you can kind of throw it out the window because it's just you want to give yourself little things to root for, little carrots to enjoy throughout the way. Have you ever played uh, roulette
0: at a casino? Uh, I mean, I have once. Yeah. yeah. Well, like there's like this thing that happens where you know you 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 place a few of your bets, or at least this is generally how it goes. You're like, all right, I want red twenty three. Oh, I'll, I'll put one here, and then they spin it, and then there's this like FOMO aspect right before the the guy closes the bets, and people kind of like. Pot, toss a more few more chips down here they'll toss a bunch on red just like at the last second just empty the clip and that's always what happens to me with sports betting for the super bowl where it's like early in the week i'm like seeking out all the plus ev bets and then sunday rolls around it's like gatorade let's go you're just like emptying the clip on whatever is left in your account because it feels like we're not going to be uh, able to bet on you know, NFL until what? I don't know, the NFL draft. So uh, yes, uh, I th- th- I'm i going to start as a very sharp sports better at the beginning of the week, and then I'm just going to be
1: gambling by the end of the week. <laughs> Which I think is the way to do it. And, you know, that's unfortunately, like, so it's not what the industry right now is kind of giving to people. But like, that's the approach is like, take the best bets you can when the markets kind of support that in a meaningful way. Um, again, Matt in the chat talking about it, arbitrage bots that are out there. Um, arbitrage tougher than ever, I think, to find capably. But, you know, there are some times you can get to those. Uh, but low hold bets, like all these ones are the ones you want to take advantage of, and then at the end of the day, it's like okay, cool. Now I've taken the best bets I can that should theoretically have value if I'm treating these bets as an asset. And then it's like just spend your money on something fun and hope one or two of them hits to kind of cover your your outlay for the day.
0: Yeah, um, it'll be fun. I think there's going to be lots of opportunities, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll try to uh, we'll try to talk about them. We'll we'll be doing shows on on Thursday and Friday, so hopefully by
1: then we'll have a decent amount of the first wave of, of prop bets up by then. Yeah, so we're going to keep an eye on that one, and next week we'll do a full prop betting special. And hopefully, you know, we'll give you guys the ones that do look good along the way if there's something that's just a misprice or a misvalue. And then next week we'll do the fun one, and we'll probably, I don't know, maybe we can make that a fun drunk show or something. We'll figure out a way to do that and make it unique. But as Pete said, we're going to be back Thursday, Friday, 2.30 Eastern, so come hang out this then Thursday doing a ball draft. And I guess we're doing FFPC for that, right? Uh, no, I mean, there's underdog drafts. Oh, are there? I didn't see. Oh, okay. Cause yeah. I looked in the lobby. I didn't see. Oh, good. Okay, good. So we could do an another draft. They don't have, they don't have tournaments set up, but you
0: can do self-contained 12 person leagues. Oh, okay, cool. So, so yeah, maybe a friends and family one then. Yeah. Yeah. They have, um, they have $5, um, $10 and $25. They also have them in both fast or slow drafts. We'll obviously do a fast draft, uh, for the show. So yeah. Did we say we're going to do that Thursday, right? Yeah. Thursday. All right. So yeah, this is your call. We will, um, We'll make sure to post the link um, both in, in discord on Twitter, but if you guys want to hop in a 2022 early best ball draft with us, uh, that will stream on Thursday. Uh, make sure you guys are around at, uh, at two 30 on Thursday. Cause that uh, I assume it'll feel fast if we uh,
1: promote this adequately. Yeah, we're going to do, you know, again, we're going to try to do this more. I think probably uh, not quite as sharply as ship chasing, but hopefully these two shows go hand in hand with Pete getting the knowledge there, then bringing it to me. And I go, good point, Pete. I love, <laughs> love what you're thinking there. Uh, well, I, I have not done
0: any, outside of looking at those top 40 ADP, I have not done any stuff. I have not formulated a 2022 thesis yet. So I think this, we could call this our our learning trial
1: by fire draft, because I I really don't know what I'm doing yet. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to kind of do this all year long, because last year we just uh, did a lot of shenanigans, watched Playmakers. This year we're going to do a little bit of everything here in the offseason, so hang out with us. And uh, and rest assured for everybody out there that wants to bet on spring football, I am working every connection we have to get USFL stuff going, guys. I will tell you that. Uh, right now I've asked everybody at our company. I know, Pete, you're, you're working the, you're going to be at the Super Bowl, so work the ground level there because it is a Fox Super Bowl, I believe. Uh, so you can go and maybe get some weaseling in, the people who are going to be working on the USFL. We got some lanes.
0: Like, what what if I what if my bit was like unofficial USFL ambassador and I'm just walking around with pamphlets, Jehovah Witness
1: style, and I'd be like, Are you ready for USFL? Just evangelizing the good game. I think well, do we know because you're doing it on underdogs dime, right? So you, they have to be doing USFL content then as well to fully make that worth their while. Or are they giving you free reign?
0: Uh, you know, I, I don't really have any directives right now. Um, but yes, maybe that would be an issue if I was walking around in USFL,
1: uh, gear the whole time and not Underdog gear. Well, look, I like where your head's going for the bits. We're going to have a lot of fun this off guys. So we appreciate you hanging out. Let's come back Thursday, two 30. Make sure to follow at Peter Rovers at follow at Chris bags and follow at splash play pod. And if you have time, give us five stars to interview an Apple podcast. I have seen a few of those trickling in somebody, Pete, in the most recent review we got called us the mad TV of fantasy football. And honestly oh, there are worse lanes to be had uh no
0: that's uh an incredibly flattering uh comp so i will i will happily take
1: that no take yeah, backs we, yeah we <laughs> no take backs we appreciate you guys for hanging out with us come back thursday 2 30 eastern we'll see you guys then enjoy your weeks good luck <laughs>